Welcome to an original series, the podcast celebrating our favorite TV shows behind the paywall. I am Patch, one of your co-hosts, and with me back again, celebrating the world of long-form storytelling, ready to talk about a TV series that neither of us have seen, which makes me pretty excited and maybe a little scared after the first episode, is my longtime best friend and co-host of the Feelin' Film Podcast, Aaron White. Welcome back to an original series. It's glad it's glad to have you. It's gl- I'm glad to have you, and it's good to have you, both at the same time. I mean, we did just do an AI movie on the Feel and Film podcast, so maybe it is glad to have me too. Maybe, maybe so. the show is taking on sentience of its own. I don't know. Yeah, but- if sentience means more listeners, great. I'll take more AI listeners <laughs> if that's what it takes. <laughs> I'm thrilled to be here. I have been looking forward to watching this show ever since it came out, and I just have put it off, put it off, put it off until you made the pitch to cover it. And so I'm so glad that I have remained spoiler free and I will leave it at that for now, but I am just, it's, it's a miracle in this day and age, especially for someone as plugged in as Mm -hmm. me online and in the media world to not know surprises. And somehow I didn't know anything about the show at all going into it. And so I'm excited to like go on this journey with you just episode by episode week by week. Me too. And and I got to say, listeners, that Aaron has basically become my my social media adjacent guy. So he'll just plug an occasional Instagram post or Facebook post. So I don't have to really do any scrolling or looking. He'll just curate for me. And I really appreciate that. If I am active, it's on Twitter. And it's not very active, but it's enough to get a post about the show and retweet my feeling film stuff every once in a while. So Aaron, I appreciate all that you do to keep me informed on what's coming out in the world of movies. And so I figure returning the favor by putting you on AOS would be the best way to go. We are going to be talking about the first season of Invincible. This is um, a cartoon, I say cartoon, it's an animated series based off of a comic book series of the same name by Robert Kirkman. You might know him. uh, He's best known for The Walking Dead. Are you giving me a face? What's the face? I said, what's that? Never heard oh, of it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's like, did I get that wrong? I didn't get that wrong. I think Robert Kirkman did do The Walking Dead. Anyway, uh, yeah. So when we were talking about doing this, in my brain, I had half of a thought of another comic book series called Irredeemable by Mark Wade, which is a really good comic book series. And so... When I said yes, I was like, I can't wait to see this adapted for TV. And then I realized this is not irredeemable. This is invincible. There were definitely some surprises along the way for this pilot episode. I also thought it was irredeemable. <laughs> so I did read irredeemable. I'm not kidding you. I am. I am. That is a true story. I read that in my brief time period of being a comic book reader. I read some of it, you know, and I thought that that's what this was as well. So we were... <laughs> Like not, we never talked about it, but we were on the same wavelength. Yeah, so we're we're sort of con- we're sort of kind of connected, and we're we're in it. We at least for the first season. So as you know, when I go through a series, I give myself an out that if I don't like a season, if I'm trying out something for the first time, I'm not committed to finishing it. And even though you've only heard the first season of Ted Lasso, only we might finish that up at some point. Uh, the first season is pretty much like the best. The other two are good. And at some point, they might be worth talking about. But apart from that, everything else has been pretty good. Like, I want to watch future seasons of of What If and Stranger Things and things like that. So I'm hopeful that this is the same way. I'm hopeful that as we get into it, if it is, if it's not, it's okay. You're at least going to get eight good conversations based off of the episodes that we have. I think there are eight. But anyway, you'll get some good, good, good content for the next couple of months. All right. Well, as we like to do, let's start with the opening. It is cold open. There are no credits. I want to talk about that later, about the the way the credits get to us. But uh, there's this opening dialogue with some White House guards talking about um, they're having to get recertified for superhuman evasion training. And I definitely recognize one of the the voice actors, John Hamm, is doing his thing. 
I was thinking that he might be a main character, but no, he's not. He he appeared and then disappeared. I don't know if that guard's coming back at some point, but it surprised me that you had such a, a well-known voice in, in the TV universe doing a a bit with another guard as kind of an opening act. So I thought it was a lot of fun. I also like the fact that they're talking so casually about the superhuman evasion training to kind of give us the idea that, yeah, this is the world they live in. They live in the world of superheroes. This is just kind of what happens. It's so kind of matter of fact, which is very much an underlying theme throughout this first episode. Yeah, it's it's superheroes, you know, it's it's who they are. They they walk among us. It's like Jurassic World, yeah, dinosaurs, whatever. But I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, I did too. I actually didn't peg exactly who they were, but they definitely sounded familiar. Both of them did to some extent. I thought one of them might have been is do you know who they both were did you look them up i did not i will as you're talking uh i know john ham is one okay. i'll get the other one here in a minute i definitely thought that i recognized the other one and i'm not gonna say who i thought it was lest i be crazy but it might be someone that you will know when patrick finally finds it uh, yes i did as well notice that and i thought that that was just a really cool interesting way to introduce us to the superhero world but by doing so with these humans and I think you're right as well, not just showing us a world in which superheroes are accepted and just an understood part of existence, but also the way in which this whole episode was very grounded, very personal oriented. It wasn't necessarily big plot type stuff. And here you're just having a conversation between these two guys who work together. It's banter. And I and you both like we love that stuff. And I need stuff like that in a series, especially even more so than in a movie, because you're doing bigger world building. And so you have time to kind of take a moment and have a little bit of fun like that. And by doing so, it lets you be a little bit more invested in those two characters when everything starts to go down right away. Whereas in a rushed version of this. It's just two random guards. And it's like, Oh, I need to worry about them because they're guards. I don't want them to get hurt. I don't want them to get hurt because now I know them a little bit. Yeah. And I feel like they're real people. I think, and the guy's name is Sean Patrick Thomas. He was in barbershop. I don't, I don't know him very well. Okay. Yeah, not well, it, so I'll, I'll take the un- L. Unfortunately, he's named Guard 2. John Hamm actually has a name at where this one's just like Guard 2. And I think it's because in the script, John Hamm's character is called his name. It's not. And so he's just guard too. But uh, I think his name is Steve. John Hamm's character's name is Steve. And so they're talking. There is an interruption of the, of the highest order. There are these dudes that are colored blue. They start attacking. They're arguing with each other about who is the original and who is the clone. So this moment, two minutes into the into the cartoon series, I'm like, this feels very generic. This feels very much like, oh, it's a Saturday morning cartoon. It's G.I. Joe, but they're kind of turning it on its head because it's superheroes. And okay, I'll have some fun with this. This is kind of fun. The word that comes to mind, we used to do one word takeaways on feel and film. So if there was one word to describe this first episode, it would be evasive. And that is probably the best way I can describe this entire episode. There are moments where... I expect one thing, but get another. And the longer payoff is probably the most satisfying. But this is a moment that feels very much like a normal cartoon show. And I'm just thinking to myself, why are people having such fun with this? Why is it such a popular series? Because they're attacking, there's fun dialogue back and forth, and then they're interrupted by a crew of superheroes, which we learn to find out are, come to find out are the Guardians. And they're basically knockoffs of superheroes. You've got War Woman, Red Rush, Darkwing, I think, is the Batman. Yeah, yeah the Batman, Batman knockoff. Mm-hmm, that's Batman. But then you got Flash <laughs> as Red Rush. And I'm just thinking to myself at this point, why are you doing, are you making fun of superheroes? Cause that's kind of cool. I mean, I think that's kind of a neat way to sort of be satirical towards superheroes. So is this what we're going to get sort of a, let's make fun of the superhero genre. I, I liked kind of where this was going and I liked the, uh, the combat, the action in, in, it felt very much like classic superhero battle. And so I was really, I was kind of, I was liking it. 
Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it as well, but with the same lens as you did, it felt very, my one word takeaway would be generic. I just kept the whole episode, honestly, but specifically this part, I was like, what is going on here? This is, people were raving about this TV show, and all I'm seeing is literally DC knockoffs for the most part, and there is nothing new under the sun here, really, and what is something has to eventually happen, right? Because this is just look what's going on. I I found myself feeling that the whole time this was yeah. going on. So I mean, it was enjoyable, but you know, Guardians of the Globe is what they're <laughs> called, by the way. And I mean, just like it, even the, like that name, right? Like it, it. I mean, I think knowing what I know now, I, I feel like it's obviously intentional to do all of that. But in that moment, it was. What is happening, and why are they so boring? Other yeah. than Aquarius, the fish guy, by the way, my favorite, right, instantly. As soon as I saw him, I was like, you're my dude. Aquarius is his name, and he is awesome. Like He's a literal fish that is like out there on this team. I love that guy. The Mauler twins is what the, they're called, yeah. which I thought that was actually a cool, interesting name because they're out there just, you know, mauling things and beating things up so yeah i mean i had fun with this scene but i i was certainly initially a little bit leery and nervous about yeah this. so that scene ends with batman excuse me uh batwing nightwing whatever uh being being rescued by omni man of course you're gonna you're gonna because superman saved not, <laughs> no based off of what we know that is not superman okay that is not superman okay <laughs> But Omni Man, played by uh, played by the the fantastic J.K. Simmons, he rescues and dude. I mean, seriously, he's got the mustache. This is basically this is basically awesome. J-, J-, J. Jonah Jameson in a superhero outfit. It, it, <laughs> it's, uh, it feels yeah. Yes. Like I'm waiting for the cigar I, to pop out after he finishes. I, yes. <laughs> Me too. The whole it's time. So great. And uh, and then they take off. They they take down the Mahler twins and. We transition from like the explosion or something into like a comic book page, and we're in a bathroom where Mark Grayson, our main character, is reading. His mom comes in. I love this that she's just like not even giving him privacy. I'll be out in a minute. I don't have a minute. Mom, my bathroom's out of soap. Get over yourself. I used to change your diapers, kid. There's nothing going on down there I haven't seen before. Just get out. The banter between her and him is so great because it sets up sort of this intrusive relationship that he has or that she has, his parents have with him. Like they don't have any kind of boundaries. This is where we find out that Omni-Man is his dad. He gets home and Aaron, I, I completely thought about you in this whole sequence because he comes in, his wife is being affectionate. Mark is like, don't make me get the spray bottle. Now, let's get you out of that costume. Boundaries, people. Bathroom doors are closed for a reason, and parents should never ever talk about sex in front of their kids. I remember listeners growing up, hanging out at Aaron's house, and his dad specifically finding ways to embarrass him by doing similar things with with his mom. (laughs) He's shaking his head right now. And it was just hilarious. Like, our friend Ben and I, we just all of it. That wasn't my word It it was just... Didn't feel hilarious to me, <laughs> just so you know. It's embarrassing. Oh, yeah. Didn't yeah. like it. <laughs> this is this is Mark Grayson in real life, ladies and gentlemen. And his parents, his dad was not a superhero, but this is kind of how how they were. And I loved it. I love the awkwardness that we get here. Uh, one of my favorite lines is <laughs> he's walking upstairs and he goes, Couldn't you at least wait until I leave the house for college? <laughs> That's so awesome. Um, and clearly, he's ready to get his power. So again, the normalcy of superhero-ness is extended here in this home where Mark is aware of his dad being a superhero. He's also aware of the fact that, similar to going through puberty, at some point he's supposed to be getting his own set of superpowers. And so I like the fact that we get a little bit of adolescence and you know, maturing in this, like this is a typical like preteen who is trying to grow up, but it has that added element of, I want my superhero powers, not just, I want my voice to drop or I want to, you know, be, be more of a man. 
Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I, you know, I really enjoyed this part of it as well. Uh, I think that the relationship building between Mark and his dad starts off strong as a focus and and it continues to be that throughout this whole episode. And I enjoyed that quite a bit. And the whole time I'm thinking about Superman and, you know, what would Superman do when Superman has a son and how is Clark going to, what was that show that they're one of the most recent TV shows just yeah, Superman this. and Lois. He has two sons. Yeah. One of the, I watched some of that. One of them has powers. The other one doesn't, which is a really intriguing premise and uh, creates a lot of drama, but just seeing these initial moments. Yes. I definitely understood how Mark felt. And I don't remember if it was, was it this scene or is there another dinner scene? I can't, one of the dinners, some, at one point when Omni-Man comes home, he says probably my favorite line. So it might've been this opening moment with the, the family, but he just, he comes in and he says, sorry, I'm late. Honest to God, a dragon was attacking Hong Kong. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's a dinner scene later. Yeah. <laughs> and, she's like, and she's like a literal dragon. Like, and it's just a It's thing. a Tuesday. It's, just it's a Tuesday for Omni, thing. man. Sorry, I, I, forgot, I couldn't remember if no, there it's two good, dinner yeah. scenes or, or two meals. But uh, anyway, yes. It's I very like matter that. of fact. Like, it just, I love the matter of factness of all this. It just makes it, it makes it more fun to, to watch this kind of play out in a more comedic way. Well, he takes off for school, frustrated that he doesn't have his powers while his parents go to Germany or France or something to get bratwurst or something. I don't know. And uh, he's talking about Omni-Man with his buddy. He sees a, a girl, her name's Amber, getting harassed by this big dude named Todd. Mark decides to intervene. He's like, he's going to be the bigger man. And he is met with a punch to the gut, which I felt, as I love the way the animation works here. I mean, he just gets pummeled into the in the gut. And then Amber, basically in the same kind of slow-mo way, returns the favor to Todd by giving him a shot in the gonads. Like, I like that slow-mo. I love that. That's very anime where you have this quick release and then slow and then like the, like you've just beaten somebody on Street Fighter 2. It was really, really great. I mean, I felt both the gut punch and the, the kick in the junk from both these people. So kudos to the animators for making me feel as awful as they did. I mean, Flash Thompson beating up Parker. <laughs> We're just going to get comparison shots. Sorry. I'm yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. My brain yeah. is, this is what was happening in my head the whole time I'm watching it. But it eventually, I think, is a strength. But in the moment, I'm just like, what is happening here? Can we do something unique? But I did like the slow motion there. And I did like just the character of Amber and the introduction to her. And she's like, I love the line when he's like, he says, he says, what are you, a lesbian or something? Yeah. Oh my God, I wish. Would you leave me alone then? Let go of me so I can go find a girl to kiss. <laughs> because she's so annoyed <laughs> by this guy. But uh, I, I just love how she stuck up for yeah. herself. Like, yeah. very strongly, no questions about it. And he ends up having to kind of back mm -hmm. off uh, because of that. And, and I think that when you're making a bully, it can be easy to go over the line and push them into like, abusive harasser yeah. to the, I mean, he was, he was harassing her to a point, but it was, it felt more like high school harassment than yeah. it did adult harassment. No, no, yeah, right. It was, it was a little bit more tame. Like he wasn't a sexual predator at this point. He was just being an annoying dude trying to get a date. Had he grabbed her boob or something like that, obviously that wouldn't have been okay or grabbed her butt or exactly. something. Um, so I'm glad that they didn't go there. It wouldn't have been even remotely like consistent with what was happening. <laughs> I also thought it was <laughs> kind of hilarious. His buddy was describing Omni-Man in a very kind of uh, affectionate way. And <laughs> Mark was getting kind of uncomfortable. He was like, sorry, straight talk. He's like, are you going to go do this? And, and starts talking about video games or something like that. I thought that was a great <laughs> kind of segue. Like, all right, I'm not going to. I'm not going to be my, my gay self right now. I'm going to talk to you like a, like a straight dude. Mark has a job at Burger Mart. This is where he discovers his powers, finally. I, I made two observations here. One, I totally thought the trash bag was going to rip because that's what happens in these types of situations where you're like struggling to take the trash out and then everything falls apart. And like, oh, man. And then number two, I always have that thing happen when you try to open a trash bin like that. We have a, at my old office, we have these trash cans in the back where I would dump a bunch of cardboard and other 
garbage and I could never like fling it like high enough to where it would stay open. And it would just <laughs> it keep just falling down. Like, I know. <laughs> so stupid. I hate it. They're all yeah, like I that. would dump the tra- I try to dump the trash before it came back down, you know, whatever. So yeah, Mark, I'm with you on at least the second part, but not about getting your powers, but on struggling to put trash in trash bins. So yeah, I get you. You know, it's a little rushed for me. I think we're getting to the point fast in this moment, but we've barely met this dude and his dad, and we know, not, and it just, it feels like, like when you said, finally, I think Mark actually said. Yeah, that's what I meant. In that moment, too. And it's kind of like, I don't know you as someone who has been waiting to get his powers for his entire life. Like, I've met you five minutes ago. And so it's not finally feeling to me yeah. yet, you know, because I haven't seen him be normal more than just that one. And it's a good establishing scene in the high school, but it is fast to get to the point where it's like, a we're finally mm-hmm. here kind of. moment. Yeah, but I think this is that evasiveness that that I'm picking up on where I think what Kirkman was doing from a creative standpoint is he was diminishing the things that we would see. as like really like amazing. So. Mark gets his powers, and then the next scene is that dinner at home that you alluded to, and he doesn't go, guys, I got my powers. He's like, guys, got my powers. Like, it was almost expected. But then, equally as much as, like, this is not what I would expect, is that his dad doesn't seem too happy about it. Like, his mom has to prompt him to say, oh, that's that's, that's great, son. Let's do flying lessons in the morning. So I'm already sort of thinking okay, what am I supposed to care about? What am I supposed to celebrate? Am I supposed to celebrate his powers? Am I supposed to think that getting your powers is like getting your, you know, your first adult teeth? I don't know. And when I said, finally, I was alluding to the fact that that's what Mark's like. Mark's like, oh, like, I bet, like, almost like he was ungrateful. Like, why so long? He wasn't like insanely excited about it. He was just like, yeah, like he had just made four free throws in a row or something like that. Like it, it, like a small goal has been set where you and I, if we'd gotten powers, we'd be like, wait a minute, this is amazing. You know, this is Smallville. This is Superman and Lois. So I think that's by design, like a lot of these things that we're pointing out. What the reason why? I don't know. I think it's really more of Kirkman and his storytelling showing us that these aren't the important parts you need to focus on. The important parts are coming, but these are not those. So let's just get to the point. It does feel rushed, but I think it's rushed because that's not something that he wants to see really sitting in for a while. I agree. And I like that the powers are expected. You're right. I mean, that's the difference here. Then maybe a lot of different superhero iterations is his dad even, I think, says it at one point. He specifically notes that like they've been waiting They've been expecting this to come. Everybody knows he's going to get powers. It's not a question yeah. mark situation. It's a matter of when, not right. If. As he is finishing up dinner, he goes to his bedroom to go to sleep. He can't sleep, obviously. He's excited about having his powers. We flash back to this origin story about his dad, that he's from this planet called Viltrum. The genericness comes out. The powers that he has are not unique. And it's just so overt. It's like... We can fly. We're really strong. And there was a third one. I can't remember what it was. Really really fast. fast. The generic superhero powers. Like, if you think about a superhero, those are the things that they have. Either super strength, they're super fast, or they can fly. Nothing unique, which just puts a question mark in my head. Like, why is this so important? And then um, he tells him that he had volunteered to come to Earth to be its sole protector. That's when he tells Mark that this will probably happen to you someday. You know, you're half Viltrum, half human. So expect that to be the case. That was the one interesting part of the backstory to me is that, and the difference of it being something like Kryptonian, is that this is a race and a culture that, per the dad's story, (laughs) not sure I believe it anymore, but per the dad's story in this moment, the way that he expresses it is that they seek out other planets across the universe and send a soul protector to each of them. Like this is like a hub world of protectors because of their powers. They go out and intentionally are all over the universe. So like earth has this Omni-Man guy 
Pluto has some other person from Viltrum that is protecting it. Jupiter has, you know what I mean? And so I just thought that was an interesting and unique setup as far as backstory goes for a different alien race, mm -hmm. because it gives me lots of, makes me have lots of questions. Like, why would they do yeah. that? What, what in the, like, is the rest of the universe not as powerful as them? Is there nothing else out there that, you know, that, that is able to rival them? Is that why they feel like they have to be protectors or something? Or what, what else happens on their own planet other than the ones that go out to be soul protectors? So it intrigued me a lot. It's interesting that he refers to himself as its soul protector, not soul as like, like the soul that we have, but like it's only protector. I find that very interesting based off of where the story goes and uh, I have questions and we'll ask those questions as a, as a way to sort of, you know, premise into the the next episode. But obviously Mark is too excited to sleep. So he gets up and he attempts to fly. He sort of does. He kind of goes rogue unintentionally, goes into space, passes out, and then makes a nice divot in the uh, in the earth, which is becoming a common occurrence throughout the episode with him and landing. And then uh, the next day his alarm goes off and that's when uh, he and his dad go flying together. And that's kind of nice. Have some father son moments. I thought it was really funny how Nolan Omni man's human name, how he describes flying as like peeing your pants on purpose as a way to just relax. <laughs> and Mark's like, when do you do that? When have you done that? <laughs> it's a, just great little levity throughout the episode of him trying to, relate to his son, it created sort of the sense of like, I, I like hanging out with them. I'm enjoying this time with, with them. But then it kind of takes a little bit of a dark turn where uh, Nolan's teaching Mark how to hit. And he says, you know, use your hips. Don't just use your arm, but use your hips and your shoulders. And I'm like, yep, absolutely. That's how you, that's how you punch. That's how I learned to punch. But then at this point, Mark doesn't ask him to punch him. He says, what do you mean? He said, well, let me show you. And he, dude, just, punches him right in the gut, like almost as hard as Todd did. Probably harder because he's a superhero. And I really like the voice work here played by um, Stephen, is it Yoon, I think, is his, is the guy who plays uh, yeah, Mark Stephen Grayson. Yoon. But the way he says, <laughs> And it sounds somewhat comical, but that's how... I've had the, we've all had, you know, the air taken out of our stomach when we've gotten hit so hard. And it's scary because we can't catch our breath. You see the reaction from Nolan's like, I'm sorry, son, I didn't mean to do that. I'm like, yeah, you did. You absolutely meant to do that. And it's weird how this whole scene sort of takes that weird turn into like, okay, I don't really know what kind of games this guy's playing, but I don't think he's the greatest teacher when it comes to being a superhero. Yeah, he does a good job of immediately through the early interactions that we see with Omni-Man and Mark giving us reason to question the perception that he apparently has from the world. But it's it's little things. It's not a small scale to me like at that point. You know, I'm not concerned about him really. I just am like, "Okay, wow, you're a little bit of a tough dad, I guess." But it made sense to me. Also, when he punches him in the stomach and he's like, you got to learn to take mm -hmm. this punch. I kind of thought, yeah, I mean, you're you're in a different world, boy. Like, you're not in my world. You're about to enter into something that nobody or very, like, a very minuscule amount of people ever would experience. And so you've got to be able to handle that. And it's it's just it's kind of like any dad that has tough love at that point in my yeah. opinion. And I do love the flying scenes. And I love when Mark goes up and almost runs into an airplane. I thought that was pretty funny. That's great. <laughs> Cause he's not flying. He's not like, it's like, I like initial flying scenes in superhero stuff when they don't know how mm -hmm. to do it. And I thought that this one was animated. Well, he's not like got one arm out all Superman pose looking cool flying across the sky. It's just like this random, yeah. you know, body shape, like hovering mm -hmm. in the air. It's not pretty. Yeah, no, it's not. It's <laughs> very raw. And absolutely with that back at home, that's when, uh, Mark and Nolan, they, they arrive. Mark's not doing so great. And, uh, 
Nolan's wife, Debbie, is like, oh, guess it didn't go so well. Nolan yells at Debbie. He kind of barks at her a little bit, and she's like, whoa, 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 what, what's going on here? He says, Mark got his powers so late, I wasn't prepared for this. It changes things. I can't help but think maybe our lives would be better if he hadn't gotten them at all. And then Mark simultaneously slams the door. And I'm wondering if you heard that. But even if he didn't, that's an interesting thing to hear from a dad. To not be proud or not be excited about the fact that your son is now going to get to do what you do. And these are the first hints of, okay, maybe things aren't quite so generic after all. And I like that. I like that we're sort of leaning into this a little bit slower than, ironically, the events that are taking place because Mark's got his power very quickly and he's learned to fly pretty quickly. His dad's punched him in the stomach pretty quickly after he's starting to learn how to use his powers. But now we're getting this slower burn of wondering why Nolan is so hesitant about his son having powers. And honestly, by the end of the episode, I still don't know. And I think that's a great mystery to, to think about is why is that actually the case What's the deal, you know, with Nolan? What's what's happening with this guy? Uh, it definitely rounds out his character a little bit. Totally agree. I, I just immediately am intrigued by him and want to know more. I'm more interested, honestly, in him than I am Mark yeah. at this point in the yeah. show. Yeah, co-sign that. The next day at school, Mark gets confronted by Todd again. And <laughs> like Spider-Man, he's like, hoot me, you know, hit me again. Keep hitting me. I love his sidekick friend and he's like no 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 don't you don't want to do that like, you're not, don't what are you doing like that's not a good idea buddy calm down come on let's he's yeah. like because he's like worried yeah. for him i'm excited about he and his friend like the the guy in the chair i think maybe he'll become i've seen him in the trailer a couple of times so i'm like good i'm glad he's not just a one-off like he's gonna be part of this uh this guy's world that to hopefully good. give us a little bit of uh, a levity in a show that looks to take a turn for the worse in some ways but yeah, he he gets he gets hit and it doesn't hurt, and he's just like, I need something else to hit, and he's like, dude, you missed your opportunity there. <laughs> so he goes off, and he sees crime in action and more generic stuff happening here. He makes this makeshift outfit, which I kind of like. I think it's kind of cool, and he takes down a couple of bad guys. I think I don't know the character. I think his name is Titan. Like here's this is the meta meta human who's like made of stone until he gets beat up too much is, I don't know what his name is, but he's voice. If it's Titan, he's voiced by Mahershal Ali. So that's, that's very cool. I didn't know that. Again, I could be wrong. I don't know if Titans that guy's name or if it's another one. Cause there are other names in this list that I'm like, eh, that doesn't look like a Titan. So anyway, so he takes him down and <laughs> his dad catches him. He's like, that's not the way that we need to do things, son. And they have a nice moment. They argue, but eventually he says, look, I just want to be like you. I, I want to be the best I can. And Nolan kind of has some sympathy for him. He says, listen, I'm sorry. Let me make it up to you. And he eventually takes him clothes shopping of a different nature. <laughs> yeah, this was, you know, again, felt very generic. I was like, oh, hey, now we're going to go to the guy who's got to find the suit and all this stuff. I like the conversation stuff i just really enjoyed all of the scenes between mark and his dad and specifically in this one it coming out very bluntly like he just wants to live up to being like his dad and that is such a natural human response you know he has to grow into it just like any of us would it doesn't happen overnight for superheroes either and i thought that was the interesting takeaway here if your parent, especially in athletics, a lot of times, like if your dad is a professional football player, a professional baseball player, the odds of you growing up wanting to be a professional athlete are very high, you know, and this is the case with lots of professions, lawyers, a lot of times it's a family thing. Like you grow up, you just, you see something so much of your life and you kind of naturally start to gravitate towards being interested in that yourself a lot of times. And so yeah, just him wanting to kind of live up to that standard already and, and not feeling like he can, I thought was very natural for someone his age. Natural 
and yet cliche. <laughs> so I, it's super I know, cliche, but yeah, <laughs> just as I as I continue to move through this, I'm like, the super suit thing was like, oh Edna, you yeah. know, like we're into the Incredibles now. We now. Are. I mean, this felt like I just is the whole mashup thing. Yeah, for me. good job, Kirkman. Way to way to bring in the best <laughs> of every superhero movie that we've seen in that way. So yeah, they're, they're at Arts Taylor who does, uh, you know, regular human stuff by day and then superhero suits by night. He uh, Mark wants something iconic. He puts on a red and yellow suit. I don't know what that's supposed to mean, but he's like, ah, it's a little, I don't really love that, but I like the, I like the glasses. I think they're kind of cool. And he's like, well, there's a start. So later that night, Mark's mom is putting up laundry. She's looking for her son. She finds him in the air and then on the ground. She sees that her yard is now full of giant potholes or divots or whatever we're calling them from where he has attempted to land several times. And then he has the, what I would call the stereotypical conversation with his mom about, I'm never going to be like dad. And she's like, be the best you, you can be. And sure. Complete with the music, complete with the score. Like this is fun stuff, I guess. So at this point I'm making like notes of like, okay, what can I call out to be like, this is kind of unique and nothing really was, but I do like the relationship with his mom, I, I do find it interesting that, you know, she has no problem calling her son stupid and an a-hole. I thought that was, you know, very interesting, <laughs> very in a fun bantery kind of way. But again, we're getting a similar conversation that we're normally used to from a kid with teen angst who's growing up and he's just trying to find himself. So I'm definitely in agreement that this is a true thing. It's also something that's been overly done. Yeah, I'm just, I'm along for the ride at this point and nothing was standing out yeah. to me. Uh, I was I was honestly starting to get a little worried when I'm watching it in real time. Yeah. The next day, this kind of had a little freshness to it. Um, mm-hmm. His dad and him are, are in the sky and they're playing catch, which I thought was kind of cool. But yeah, it's superhero it's- catch. It's their backs to, are to each other. <laughs> Nolan is throwing the ball using Earth's gravity to have it go all the way around the world. And I think I counted maybe 18 seconds that it took to get to Mark's glove. It's that point where he asked the question when he catches it, said, were you scared? He goes a little bit. He said, but you, but you braced for it. And this is the first kind of, it didn't feel generic, this conversation that he's having with Mark. He says, it's okay to be scared, to doubt, but if you can push through, you'll be just fine. And that's very, yeah, I, I know that's a thing. It's very, I hear that a lot, but I think what made it interesting and different for me is the way that it was set up. It it wasn't like he had his hand on his shoulder. I think it was the fact that they were playing catch in an unconventional way that made me feel like, okay, this feels a little different. And Nolan's giving, he's not just playing catch with his son. He's using it as a teaching moment to eventually help him realize who he actually is, which is invincible. And that's, of course, where we get his superhero name that he's been wanting since he's gotten his powers. Yeah. I love this scene as well. I love the line. It's okay to be scared and doubt yourself. And I think you just expressed it perfectly. It's, it's interesting because it's not traditional for once. It's not just a dad sitting a kid down on a couch and having this conversation that we've seen a hundred times. It's because of where they are and how unique it is to their specific situation and lifestyle the name was weird to me. It's still weird to me, but like in the moment, even it was, I didn't understand what was going on. It felt like a, is he actually invincible? Is my question. Is he invincible? Like, is that his power? Because nothing ever showed me that for me to think that. And so when he comes up with this name, when he gets that like aha moment, I was shocked by this. Did you have that feeling or it was fine for you? I also don't like it. I think it doesn't make any sense. I think it's a terrible superhero name. Like, I I was thinking about it. And I was like, I'm an adjective. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. He's like, I'm Batman. I'm invincible. Like, it, okay, well, I'm, if I'm Superman, it's like, well, I'm invincible too. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, yeah. like, that's, it's I don't know. I'm just waiting. Right? That's going to yeah. happen. That's, I guarantee I'm putting money down that that scene happens at some point in this show. But I just, it was weird for me. It was, it was almost like a writing, flowery writing cliche. It was like, oh, you're invincible, son. Like, not like he meant it literally. And yet his son kind of took it and ran with it. I don't know. Maybe it'll get cleared up. But I, that was like funny. The fact, 
the fact that the show is centered around this name, maybe it has triple meaning or something. I don't know, but yeah, I, I think it's. I, a, so. I don't think it's a great name for a superhero because I think it's a little too egotistical. That when he, too. I, it was earlier in the episode when he, after he beat up Titan, he's like, "Huh? What about ass kicker? No, that sounds willfully childish." What are you thinking? He said, "Like this seems a little juvenile. Like you're going to call yourself invincible? Really? That's a that's." No, let's let's get a little bit more creative. Obviously, you know, don't go to the Guardians though, because their names are terrible. So that's not the place you want to actually get your superhero name. Nonetheless, he gets a suit inspired by it, and and I like this suit. I actually like the um, I like the fact that his hair is sticking out above the above the the mask. I think that's that's kind of neat. And this is where I do remember the comic book covers when the comics were released. I remember his actual character. So. I like the look of his um, of his costume and how he wears it. I personally enjoyed that the suit made. What is his name? Art. Art. Is that what you yeah. said? Art Taylor. Art is what is this? Arts. The store is called Art Taylor. There's some wittiness to that. That yeah. sounds like okay. Anyway, uh, I like that Art specifically points out how hard it is to be unique with a name and a costume anymore, because that's so true. And I, and it and it goes to my point about him picking the name here in a moment when that title card hits and it's like settled or whatever. But I agree with you. I liked the suit. Personally, I'm a yellow guy, so I appreciate that his yellow is in there. Blue is probably my second favorite major color. And so I, I really like the color scheme and the design of the suit. I agree with you about the hair. It gives it a little, and the goggles, like just a way, it does make him at least not a complete one-for-one one comp to something else that we've seen a hundred times over and over. And I appreciated that because it is hard. And I was thinking the whole time about like, man, this is going to be so difficult to make up new superheroes in this day and age. Like <laughs> everything has been done as part of why it was so difficult for us watching it in the beginning. Cause it, everything feels generic. Cause everything is generic. You, you can't rewrite the wheel at this point. You have to just find something. It's very hard to yeah, do. It really is with creating the characters. And this is where he is, iconically on that crane like in spider-man he takes down a baddie and that's when we get the title card wait are we moving past the fight because are we done with no, the you fight? can talk about the fight i Let's like talk about the fight i like the fight I, I thought the fight was fun when he is fighting the guy i love loved loved this one line of dialogue when the, the bad guy initially starts his thing rampage and he shoots the building or whatever and the police come up and he turns to them and he goes you guys think you might have bitten off more than you can chew? That building has a hole in it. Look. <laughs> <laughs> and I did, and then he like lasers them, and I was just like, "That is awesome!" Like I want that. It stood out in my brain. I was like, "Frame that moment," because if I can get dialogue and banter like that, then I'm going to be all right. In this. Yeah, I'm hoping we get more of that. And maybe a little less of what we I'm sure we, we will get next. <laughs> yes. And I thought it was an, it felt like it, it's a completely an epilogue out of nowhere. And it feels very strange. But you go ahead and you. Can well, what it. we get is essentially a, a quick montage of the guardians of the globe. Kind of we, we get to know them a little bit independently, which I thought was kind of cool. They're all getting signaled to go back to what is essentially Avengers Tower or the Justice League office or whatever the generic version of this is. And they all find out that none of them summoned the League. Then it gets insane. The most unexpected thing happens. Omni-Man comes out and literally starts murdering all of these superheroes. It's like he's murdering generic superheroes. It's like he's murdering the idea of we don't need any more superheroes that look like other superheroes. So maybe there's a metaphor there. But man, Aaron, it was so bizarre, jarring, disturbing. I mean, whatever you want to call it. I kind of had to take a step back. When I watched this a second time for note-taking purposes, I really kind of skipped through some of that because there are some pockets of slow motion where in particular with um, red Red Blur, or whatever his name is, how he the eyeball when he, when he mm-hmm. squeezes the dude's head and slowly. Yeah, I'm like, no, mm-hmm. we're not, we're not there, man. We're not there. I, I looked ahead, not at specific scenes necessarily, but I looked ahead 
and thought, yeah, there's going to be some things that I fast forward through because there's, I don't need to see some of this stuff. Like this is an extension or like an amped up version of Watchmen at this point. And I think watching what we saw for the first 35 minutes and then seeing the last 15, I think it was Kirkman's way of saying, this is what I was going for right here. I wanted to usurp your expectations. I wanted to give you a little sleight of hand to let you know that you're in my world now. All the rules are broken. Superheroes can die. Superheroes can kill each other. It really just kind of, it surprised me more than anything else. Yeah, man. I It was a complete and utter jaw drop moment for me, which is incredibly rare. As I mentioned, just being so plugged into entertainment world, I, I'm shocked shocked that I didn't know this about the show yet and I'm so so grateful that I didn't and I got to experience this because this doesn't happen very often in in any sort of media and not just where you already know it's coming but where it's telegraphed within the show itself and I never felt like it was telegraphed one bit within the show itself and yet at the same time it did not feel like an unearned heel turn, which is, it, it, this is such a really, really thin line to walk, right? Where you don't foreshadow too much, but you also don't make it feel like it's like, oh my gosh, that's unbelievable. There are just a couple of moments of, of facial expressions from him, a couple of those like you scenes where you, when you think back on them and you're like, he's pretty hard on his son. He's, he's a little concerned that his son now has powers. Why might that be? Oh, there's something else going on here. This was just brilliant for me. It completely rewrote my entire opinion of the episode, my entire experience with the episode because I just watched it and all I thought about the whole thing was like, this is generic and the last thought I had before the epilogue was what a terrible superhero name. This is so dumb. And then we, we go into this and I'm like, okay, cool. Oh, good. We're back with the Guardians. I kind of like these people. I'm getting to know them. I see them with their significant others in their homes doing everyday things. I care about them now. Oh, okay. Now we're turning into a horror movie and we're, we're going to <laughs> brutally and bloody. Nothing in this show was like that sort of visceral previous to this. It was like you said, GI Joe comic book yeah. stuff, right? It was bullets bouncing off of skin. Like it was nothing. And then all of a sudden you get like the punch straight through the freaking head of something. And it's just, and it's dead. Like you yep. said, Superheroes can die. It's just dead. No question about it. Just completely gone and out of the world. And it hooked me. Like I, I I'm blown away mm -hmm. by it. I'm so impressed by it. And I'm really as intrigued or, or as excited and nervous and everything about seeing a next episode of a show as I have been in a long time, because I have no earthly idea where we're yeah. going. And that is an awesome feeling to right. me, to truly be in that place of I get to go for a ride and I have no clue now because you played with my expectations and twisted them all up in a knot so much it that I, I, I've learned now I can't trust you and, and let's go. Uh, and yeah, it just, it was, it was awesome yeah. <laughs> for me. Yeah, it's, it's one of those endings where just like the ending itself, we're left with no music, we're left with ambient noise, and we're really left just sitting in this kind of awkwardness. Like, I don't know who the last dude was, but he was like, why, why? And he kills him, and then he's just there. Like, he doesn't say to himself, he doesn't say to the guy, because my son is now invincible. He doesn't give a motive. He just sits there, and his facial expression is one of utter confusion to me. Like, I don't know what he's thinking. I don't know if he's thinking, yes, he's not smiling because he did it. He, it's almost like he feels the way that he looks. It's like he didn't want to do this. So, I mean, my questions are very many. Like, is he killing the guardians because invincible, his son is going to eventually turn into him and he has to kill these people before his son does to protect him. Is there something about his people, the, the Vil Vilcrums, that at some point they turn evil? Uh, was he actually banned and he escaped to Earth as their sole protector? Was he jealous? I mean, just because all these other Guardians were doing their thing. Like, even when he rescued Darkwing, Darkwing looked back at him like, oh, whatever. And he's like, you're welcome. So clearly there's some tension there. 
what I hope, Aaron, I hope that we get flashbacks. Like I hope we get, if there's some significance to the guardians of the globe, that they weren't just throwaway superheroes. I hope we get some flashbacks to sort of connect some of those dots that we need to. But like you, I was left going, I don't know if I want to watch the second episode. Obviously I have to, because I run a podcast that forces me to do that. But I'm, 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 I'm honestly hesitant to watch because I know it's going to get like, if this is the standard, I'm hoping it's, I'm hoping it's balanced that way where it's like 80, 20 in terms of like, let's get character development, let's get action scenes and let's have a couple of like (gasps) moments, you know, that show, Hey, we're, we're real serious here. I don't want 90% horror and 10% like banter. I I don't, I hope we don't get that. You have not watched it, but you don't want the boys. And and I have watched it and and I know, and I've tuned out now after two, I think we're on season three and I stopped watching because it got to be too much for me and I just didn't enjoy that because that's all it is nonstop. So I agree with you. I my hope or expect and what I think is probably going to happen is I don't know why we're doing this really, but like what I would assume what for me would be great storytelling would be if we go back to normal. Next episode starts and we're right back to the same tone. Nothing happened. We don't know. We know right. what took place, <laughs> but the show doesn't. The rest of the world and everybody around him has no clue. It's just every, every you know life is normal. Continuing to teach his son how to be a superhero. Growing up, getting, you know, having experiences, but like all this side stuff is happening in these very short, dark, dark moments and spurts where we'll slowly learn what's going on. I, I, I would expect that to be. I trust Kirkman, especially the opening two, three, four volumes of Walking Dead. I read them. I mean, it, it's phenomenon for a reason. Like it, it's incredible world building, character development, and storytelling. And so I trust that wherever we go on this, it's going to get deeper as well um, as it gets darker. And we don't know. We just don't right. know. We don't know why he did what he did. Maybe he's a good guy still. We It doesn't seem like it, but who knows? Um, I'm really sad that my guy's gone. Like I got like two seconds with my dude Aquarius. And, you mean Aquaman? And Is that why you guy. like him? Because like, he's kind of like Aquaman? Is that... Yeah, but he's an actual fish, dude. He's like, <laughs> that's what makes him cool. Like, he lived in a fish world. He had a little throne down there underwater. I didn't get to see and learn anything about that Now world. he's sushi. I'm so now sad. He's sushi. Oh, that's, that's gross. gross. <laughs> All right, that's going to wrap up this uh, edition of an original series. Um, next time, we are going to be covering episode two entitled Here Goes Nothing. So if I didn't say it before, episode one is not called Pilot. It's called it's about time and that makes that makes perfect sense for that so yeah next episode uh here goes nothing excited to get into it until then thank you all for listening and joining this conversation i'm patch he's aaron and we are out of here